Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, Sam, at the end of last week's episode, I included a interview with Paul Rudd where he was asked about the popular fan theory as to why Ant-Man wasn't in Infinity Wars. Infinity War Part 1, whatever it's called. Uh, fuck it, who cares? <laughs> Avengers, Avengers time. Yeah. And uh, the fan theory is that Ant-Man could crawl inside Thanos' anus. Yes. And then, as Ant's size, obviously, it's Thanos. <laughs> and then expand to, you know, 60 feet high and just explode <laughs> him, thus killing Thanos. Yeah. Do you think that's why he's not in Infinity War? I think it just uh, depends on... It's a good theory. First of all, I want to say, it's a good theory. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't it depend on whether that expansion is like an unstoppable force, you know, like if he, if Ant-Man is inside a sufficiently, you mean, it'd just be like piles to Thanos. That would be piles to Thanos. <laughs> Puny human. <laughs> this is merely piles to me. It would just be like, maybe you get off on it. Maybe it's like, you know, what? It just expands inside his prostate or something. It just gives it a little squeeze. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if Ant Man can Ant Man crawl inside a box so thick that he could not burst out of it? I don't know. If he it's hasn't Thanos really, is... I would say that he hasn't really demonstrated the ability in the movies to explode things by growing to a large size while in them. Yeah, that I can think of. But presumably, like that would happen, right? If you put him in a box and he expands, well, maybe force his just body you... fucking <laughs> explodes because it can't get out. <laughs> just like. You know, his head would be traveling at vast speeds upwards. I've got a question. You know, he has those little, uh, like, discs that he throws them at stuff and they expand. Yeah. So, like, the most recent one, they throw it at, like, a Hello Kitty Pez dispenser and it becomes huge. Yes. If you threw that at, like, Thanos' eye, <laughs> when his eye like, explode out of his head. Well, the way, those what things like... seem to more, like, they. I don't know how they decide what where the boundaries of objects lie. Yeah. I guess, I guess they could use them just to make Thanos small, it'd be more manageable. Yeah, why don't he make the Infinity uh, Gauntlet big? That way he can't... It falls he, off his arm. He can't, he can't close it. That actually would have been sick. He can't close it, can he? That would have been a great idea. <laughs> Just make all the gems really big so they don't fit in the gauntlet anymore. I, I unironically think they sh- that should be a good thing to, for them to do in the next movie. Yeah. He's about to presuming. close it and then they like make it huge. And he's like, oh, it's, what? It falls off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this doesn't fit now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then they make him small and they just step on him. Yeah. What about that? Why don't you do that? Isn't there a Buffy the Vampire Slayer thing where the demon is really small? Yeah. Be like that. <laughs> <laughs> be just be just like that. I mean, what's the point of seeing the next one, really? It's not going to be as good as that, is it? 
No, they're not going to make him small and step on him, are they? Nah, we've already we've already got a better sequel <laughs> in our in our head canon. That would be like quite funny if that was the climax of the story. So they just made him small and step <laughs> on him, <laughs> given how bombastic the last one was. They spent all the money on it. Just made him really small. Well, it's a captive audience now. You don't really need to make the next one that spectacular. People are going to see it no matter what. Yeah. It could just, just be. Coast. It could have the budget and plot of an episode of Buffy. Why not? Why not? Be another surprise. That would be a daring move, wouldn't it? They got a lot of praise, the Russo brothers, for the daring conclusion of Infinity War Part 1. What would be more daring than having the conclusion of the whole series just be boring and shit? <laughs> <laughs> and like really, ways- really low kind of stakes and just <laughs> sort of low budget. That is the most daring thing they could do. <laughs> Come on, Marvel, you take risks, or don't you? Yeah, exactly. So, Danny, uh, what is this podcast that we are talking in? Why don't you introduce it for us? I will. I will I will do just that. So, Film Chat is a podcast all about Sam Foster. He's a lifeguard who finds a large shark tooth embedded in a power cable while he's scuba diving in the Pacific Ocean. Later, he posts a description of the tooth online, but as he cannot find a matching shark tooth on the internet, he names it mystery shark danny moran a natural history researcher sees his post tracks him down and looks at the tooth he believes it comes from a huge prehistoric shark called megalodon greek for big tooth but he keeps this information to himself sam meets with his friend chuck rampart who tells him he intends to take a look at the broken power cable sam tells him about the shark later the animal kills two people who use a water slide in the middle of the night they had it coming. The next day, Danny and his partners go on a boat to find and tag the Megalodon. The shark shows up and smashes into their boat. While he's doing that, Danny manages to hook a camera onto the shark's dorsal fin. The Megalodon leaves and later kills a man who was playing frisbee on the beach with his dog. Sam finds the man's severed leg and informs Danny about the attack. He, in turn, tells him about the Megalodon. Sam is furious. They didn't tell him before and storms off. The next day, Sam and Danny go out to kill the shark, which they find us heading towards a nearby resort. They manage to drive it back out to sea, where it kills several more people. Sam tries to get his boss, Luez Ruez, to close the beaches. Ruez says he will, and then tells Sam to kill the Megalodon. Is what I would be saying, this is a adaptation of the first 40 minutes of Shark Attack 3, Megalodon. Gonna be honest, it sounds a lot like the Meg. This is in fact just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Danny Moran, and join me... A man who will take you home and eat your pussy if he's really wired. Sam oh, Foster. shit. It's that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with, uh, what's his face? John Torchwood. Barrowman. John Barrowman, the, yeah. His famous line. I'm exhausted. Yeah, me too, but, you know, I'm really wired. What do you say I take you home and eat your pussy? <laughs> Which apparently he just added just to an- make the actress laugh, but yeah. it kept it in the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Classic. It does have a very similar plot to the Meg. I guess there's only so many ways you can kind of shake that out, you know? Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's all just Jaws, isn't it? It's all Jaws, isn't it? It's all Jaws, isn't it? Can I be known as Chuck Rampart from now on? I think it's a better name than my own name. No, really? Well, I like and it. Sam Foster. <laughs> I get the iconic name, Sam Foster. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe we'll just try out Chuck Rampart for a few weeks. Okay, then... Chuck. Thanks, man. Go back to <laughs> Sam if that doesn't work out. Uh, this week, I'm going to be reviewing the Meg. As is just the film I just referred to, movie about uh, Jason Statham fighting a really big shark. How big, you ask? Extremely big. Massive shark. <laughs> How does he fight it, you ask? Not easily. Real challenge for Jason Statham. Uh, Danny, meanwhile, gives us his take on the Italian drama film Sicilian Ghost Story, but he saw it about 11 months ago 
so he might have forgotten the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> and he could just be making up everything he says about the film. I don't know. I haven't seen the film. So we just have to trust that he's describing the real film. Uh, we'll also be talking about the Oscars, <laughs> uh, which has come under a lot of fire in recent years. And they're responding by doing something no one has asked for. Uh, we'll also be having some fun with taglines, discussing the latest project from Chilean filmmaker Pablo Lorraine, and telling you all about Shark Man. All that should leave just enough time for me to pitch a new extended universe building on the success of the Meg called the Eggverse. <laughs> <laughs> In which Jason Statham has got to fight a series of really big things that rhyme with Meg. In the leg, he's got to fight a man with a big leg. <laughs> In the keg, he's got to drink a lot of beer out of a giant keg. In the peg, he has to fight a skyscraper-sized Simon Pegg. <laughs> That'd be pretty fun. Uh, and in the egg, it's just a big egg, and he has to fight that. You know, so on and so Does forth. Does it hatch the egg? It's like Humpty Dumpty. It's just the egg <laughs> is the, right. kind of is the person. <laughs> sure, why not? You know, <laughs> you know in The Simpsons when Homer's like, "I'll get you egg," and that egg runs away with like the zipper on the back. That, but massive. That, but massive. And Jason say the master fight it. Just sounds, think that sounds good. I think they'd make a lot of money out of that. You'd think the sequel would be like about more maritime themed stuff, but instead it's just not at all. It's just more themed after what <laughs> words rhyme with the title of the first one. I think that would be a fun direction to take it. I agree. I'm not a professional producer. Just think that would make loads of money. Yeah. your social media muscles getting us some um, uh, interactions and good content which is yep. excellent work from you yeah. um you posted both on twitter and facebook that's professional isn't it yeah two-pronged attack yeah and we also posted it on linkedin but no one responded there nah. it's out on bebo no no responses yet um is the poster for the spy who dumped me this is a film that's coming out with uh mila kunis and uh this kate mckinnon this person's yep. name her name's written right in front of my face so i shouldn't <laughs> there's no excuse no excuse for stumbling over that um which is a kind of spy comedy looks vaguely in the vein of spy um and uh it has the tagline on the poster kiss my assassin with like yeah. ass kind of highlighted and italicized so that you can get the joke that's going on there because if it just said kiss my assassin, you'd be like, why would, I, why would I want to kiss why, your assassin? That makes no sense. Why, why, why would I do that? Why? Anyway, it seems like not a very good tagline, There's, but there should be, like, it should be a rich area for puns. Yeah. Uh, the general spies plus, like, comedy getting dumped stuff, you know? Yeah. Um. So you did a sort of call out for better taglines, so we actually got a bunch of replies. Maybe I should just sort of go through a few of them here. Please, please do. Dan Knoll suggests FBI, KGB, MI5. FML. That's good. That's good. That's good. That one's very good. I like that one a lot. Uh, we got a variety of suggestions from Jake Hoskins. Just going to reel a few of these off. He may have had a little eye, but he made a big mistake. Can you explain that one to me? What is that? He had a little eye, but he made a big mistake. Do you get that one? Little, little eye. Like private eye or something? Like... <laughs> 
P-I? P, um, like, um, not sure. We're not sure about that I'm one. Not sure. Not sure about that I one. I spy? Uh, <laughs> don't know what that means. Uh, don't know what that, that means. We're going to follow up with Jake on that one. Uh, revenge is a dish best served shaken, not stirred. Right. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wronged, very wronged. Is that like James Bond? <laughs> James Bond, Bond, James Bond, but like wronged, wronged. very wronged, <laughs> very, very wronged. <laughs> <laughs> that would make a better tagline. And he's also got SBO Nami. <laughs> um, Excellent. Uh, from Simon Eves, he suggests spooks don't ghost. Good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Or no one ghosts a spook. It's kind of a similar one, just a just a variation on that theme. Georgia Mills also sent in a bunch of suggestions here. We've got how about license to spill the beans about that relationship? Lol. Excellent. Pretty good. Excellent. He was undercover, under the covers. Sex and <laughs> spying. Perfect. The perfect demographic of you know. <laughs> The Venn diagram of those two themes of the movies. International man of misery. Am I right, ladies? Yeah. Appeals to the demographic. The ladies. Yeah. He was agent, <laughs> not agent. That is good. <laughs> now that's really good. That's the best one. That's the best one. He was agent. <laughs> he was an agent. Do you think it could be he was an agent, not agent? I could do kind of like he was, he was agent. <laughs> Weirdly breaking the schwung. Um, I'm still not done. Yeah. I, know you're, I know you're gearing up to give your own ones, but there's I'm more. Just, I'm just preparing it. And, you know. No, no, yeah. I'm just saying, I've got more here. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Can't be stopped. Uh, Robin Lord suggests, from Russia with love, but like just crossed out. <laughs> <laughs> just says that, but it's crossed out. The, nice. the the reasoning being that Mila Kunis's character is Russian. Right. It's about the end of a relationship. Could okay. have just gone with like, from Russia without love or something. Yeah. Um, and finally, Callum Russell suggests, eat my assass out. <laughs> yeah. Cool. For the for the porn version. Any version. Or for any version, indeed. Yeah. All right. So what, what, what have you come up with? Got some puns. Yeah. The spy who gave me the cold shoulder. <laughs> so just... The spy who came in yeah. from the cold. Yeah. <laughs> um, three days worth of condoms. <laughs> it's like three, three days, days of the condom. The condor. <laughs> Got um, <laughs> a private eye eyed up my privates. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I got modern Ethan cunt. He's like a cunt for dating. That's for dumping. Good, yeah. Ethan cunt. Uh, and this, this I'm good proud of this one. I think uh, Mila's dates a spy. <laughs> it's like Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. I think. Uh, I think uh, Mila's Mila dates a spy. spy. Okay. Yeah, that's very good. Yep. Yeah. That's my ones. But I think Georgia wins. Georgia the wins. The competition, which it was never <laughs> announced as, and you, a big cash prize is coming your way. Go to see if Sam. Get ready to receive loads of money. <laughs> I'm committing to it now. <laughs> Just send me your bank details. I'll send you a wad of cash. We're talking three figures. <laughs> Where's the decimal point? <laughs> Before the first figure, zero point one zero zero. <laughs> you want a penny? That'll be ten p. That'll be ten p. Nah, yeah, you're right. That'll be ten p, mate. What about day of the jack off? 
Nice. <laughs> now we go. You win the 10p. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a hell hath no fury like a woman's cum. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I forgot to put the spy bit in there. I was just uh, adding a sex bit to a, to a phrase that doesn't have... It's not a spy phrase. <laughs> Hell have no fury. <laughs> it should be like, hell have no fury like a woman spy. I think that works. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? The spy who dumped me? Hell have no fury like, like a woman spy, like a female spy. It was. Hell have no fury like a woman scorned. Do you not familiar with that phrase? Yeah, but scorned and like, doesn't rhyme with spy or anything. You but know? it's got the same first two letters. S C. It doesn't, it doesn't. It? I mean, it's the same one letter, but I still feel like it's in, you know, it's in the, I feel uh, like, I feel like it works. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> as long as you feel it works, that's all that matters. I do feel like it works. Anyway, I'm still curious to know what the big, the little I, big mistake was, <laughs> was about. Um, Elsewhere in the film chat post bag, we got a message from Christopher Young. He says... Hi, Film Chat. I hope you, like me, are looking forward to The Meg with Jason Statham. Of course. Of course. I wanted to see it. So I was looking forward to it. Um, however, I feel we need to examine the early work of Steve Alton, the author of the novel that inspired The Meg. I give you the book trailer for Shark Man. No point here, really. I just wanted to post this amazing trailer. So The Meg is obviously based on a novel by Steve Alton, and he has got a, an oeuvre of other great novels, um, one of which is called Shark Man. I'm really glad that Chris brought this uh, trailer to our attention. Excellent. Daniel, let's do it earlier. It's really, really good. Um, I, I'm just going to pitch it to our listeners, and I think we should play the whole thing. Absolutely. So it is like a cross between a film trailer and like a blurb, but like a long blurb. So if if the it, well, it's more like it's actually more like you know the first several paragraphs of a Wikipedia plot synopsis, not like the top of the Wikipedia article where it just introduces it, but like the section where just entitled plot summary. Um, and they've hired like the proper trailer voice man, so he really does like, you know, sounds. Yeah, it sort of sounds convincing as a trailer um, at the beginning, but then you realise that he's just reading out large amounts of the plot of the film, and it must have been quite exciting for him because I think this must be the longest script any trailer man has ever received. And it takes quite a while to get to the shark stuff, um, but I think it's worth hanging in there. So uh, yeah, enjoy. Meet 16-year-old Quan Wilson. Quan was a rising star on his high school basketball team who dreamed of playing in the NBA. Those dreams were shattered one fateful morning. Texting while driving his mother to work, Quan lost control of the car and struck a tree. Quan awoke in the hospital, paralyzed from the waist down. His mother having died in the crash. Quan's father, Admiral Douglas Wilson, banishes his son, sending him off to South Florida to live with his maternal grandmother. Quan arrives at his new high school, an outcast. Harboring feelings of guilt, he contemplates ending his life. In an attempt to help the former A student, Quan's new principal tells him about an internship at a shark lab in Miami. Quan isn't interested until he learns the beautiful Anya Patel works at the lab after school. 
The lab is part of a black ops military program headed by his father. Shark stem cells are being tested on rats to cure cancer and spinal injuries acquired on the battlefield. Though the stem cells succeed in curing the rats and enabling them to walk again, the shark's DNA is too aggressive, taking over the host genome, turning the subjects into a freakish amphibious creature before killing them. When a promising breakthrough is made using mouse growth hormone to stabilize the shark DNA, Juan steals an IV bag of the elixir. Mixing it with human growth hormone, he injects it into his bloodstream. Juan awakens in the hospital. Doctors are amazed. His legs are twitching. His spinal cord has somehow healed itself. Muscles long dormant are growing at an accelerated rate. Quan returns to the basketball court, a hero. Unaware that the shark DNA is taking over, slowly changing him into a predator. Shark Man, a new thriller by New York Times best-selling author Steve Alton. In stores September 2014. So this week, the Academy Awards body, the Oscars, announced um, some changes to keep them hip and relevant. Some was about the actual awards ceremony itself, which apparently is going to be three hours long because it's way too long already. So like we've got to cut a sweet hour out of this. But the update that has got everyone's attention is the fact they've announced a new award called Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film, uh, which... I'm not sure what counts as a popular film, what is eligible to make it a popular film, but everyone is obviously a bit kind of nonplussed by it because, like, well, so if a film is too popular, it can't be a best, be pic yeah. best picture. And a lot of people um, saw it as uh, almost like ghettoizing popular films, like, because there was already talks about Black Panther having a best picture bid. And it's like, we're going to just like shuffle off to a different, like, well done. You're, you're invited, <laughs> but you'll sit over there. <laughs> yeah. We're giving the award to the Fear of Everything or something. You know? Well, it seems like a bit of a recognition that they were previously not rewarding a specific type of film for no good reason or something. Yeah. Or is it a way of saying that mainstream entertainment is inherently like not as good and therefore in order for them to recognize it, it needs its own category because it would never be able to beat, like, the real films. Yeah. I mean, it felt a bit like they were sort of doing this when they expanded the best picture line from 5 to 10. Yeah. Like, like District 9 is weirdly a Oscar-nominated best picture film and, um, like, Avatar has been nominated for best picture and there have been plenty of films, like The King's Speech was a huge popular crowd-pleaser, which won best picture, and Titanic is one of the most profitable films of all time. That one, best picture. Yeah. So the Lord of the Rings: Return of the King is that's that quite popular? It's quite wasn't popular. It? Quite, quite popular <laughs> film, I would say. <laughs> so it's just an odd one because it never awards the actual best film. Yeah, it's not like they were only rewarding the most obscure films with no stars in beforehand or something. Yeah. It was like every award just goes to like the tiny. Uh, movies that only show for like five seconds and you know the, the poshest cinema near you um they, well, it's quite the oscars is quite mainstream and lowest common denominator anyway but just to, but in a different kind of a way to blockbusters yeah absolutely it's also a thing where 
like there's a there's a category for like animation, but like Toy Story three was nominated for best picture, and occasionally a foreign language movie makes it into the best picture, but has its own category. But it's like to, there's a, some sense to that in that it's got subtitles or it's a different genre. But when it's like just it's popular, so like I don't know if Moonlight made too much money, will they just take it out of the like best picture pool? Like Get Out was nominated for best picture last year. That's probably the most popular film of last year in terms of like do they like one saw. Does the Academy publicize criteria? Do they say like they must have rules right on what what kind what counts as a supporting actor and what counts as a like you know actor? Yeah, well I don't know if it is. I think it's just it's how you nominate yourself. Is it just whether it's accepted the nomination or not? They don't have like some kind of guidelines where it's like here's what would get you accepted as a supporting role and here's what won't i don't know because wasn't um vola davis effectively like a lead like a co-lead in fences but she was one for best, best supporting, supporting which is ridiculous yeah so i, I mean there's only about four actors in the whole film yeah. just absurd yeah well, they should enter so like you know lead role. black panther's best uh short <laughs> see what happens <laughs> see what happens yeah i i feel like they it's just an odd thing to just kind of announce it's just a desperate bit for like, everyone knows what that well. is. Yeah, it does. It feels a bit like a uh, like an uncle trying to find ways to like entertain the kids or something. So <laughs> stop! Stop not watching the Oscars. What if we just have a new, really popular film category? What if we have like a, a cutest cats category? Are you going to watch that? <laughs> that panda that sneezed. Sickest viral vid <laughs> of the year. It's a lifetime category. achievement award. Yeah. They should just combine the Oscars with like those, you with know, Rude funniest. Tube. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You want you won't be able to watch yeah. it. Yeah, Alex Zane already does the Sky Movies coverage of the Oscars. <laughs> he does Rude Tube. Just, just fly him in. Yeah. To be fair, that is that's just you know that's a no brainer, isn't it? Get Zane. Get Zane to save the Oscars. Only one man can save the Oscars. I mean, Zane is the surname of someone who's going to have a wacky plan to save the Oscars, isn't it? Yeah, Alex Zane. <laughs> It's got an X and a Z in his name. He's, you're obviously going to parachute this bizarre person in. It will just sort the Oscars out by by introducing like more things of bears falling down, you know, the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whatever's on YouTube these days. <laughs> you know, the probability of the, of the bear falling down the stairs. What was it doing at the top of the stairs? Why couldn't it make make it down the stairs? You'd watch that video, wouldn't you? Yeah. You, you'd watch that video as part of a three-hour ceremony, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, of With like, all the world's most famous actors, you know, talking to each other and just hanging out. You know what I think would make the Oscars more palatable? Yeah. Is it should be like Eurovision. It should have like a wry commentator getting steadily more pissed throughout the evening, commenting mm. and everything. Because it's too dry otherwise. It's too serious and po-faced. You need someone, like, mocking it constantly. Yeah, I agree. It's not like, yes, yeah, it's, it's sort of serious, but it's, you know, it's, it's annoyingly chummy as well, and you need a kind of uh, voice breaking through that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's another great idea from the film chat. What about Gunge? Gunge, like, the, get the guy does a uh, get your own back. Yeah. He's probably, <laughs> he's the gig. <laughs> and just, like... He's not going to be busy, is he? Yeah. And then, like, have all the uh, nominees just in a big tank. And, <laughs> and, and everyone no one... who doesn't win <laughs> gets gunged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just fuck up all these uh, Tom Ford suits and, you know, Chanel dresses and stuff. Fuck it up. Do you think there should be a... This is a serious question. Do you think there should be a category for stunt work? Because it's not recognised currently. Yeah. 
I think, yeah. 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 That should be a category that he introduced. No, that, that, that makes sense. They call it visual effects. And yeah, and Tom Cruise should fucking win that category. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, the guy who jumped through that window and born uh, Ultimatum. What's his Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That was a good stunt. Yeah. No, I agree. I actually agree entirely. That that would almost, you know, a lot of the movies with great stunt work are popular films. Yeah. So you could reward them that way. What? You could reward them that, that way. way. You mm. could reward them that way. Will this be a mixture of like mega blockbusters, but also like just, you know, shit rom-coms and stuff? Well, it'll become like the Nickelodeon Teen Choice Awards, won't it? It'd be like, <laughs> best movie kiss, best uh, <laughs> sequel, best use of CGI. It's like, you know. And everyone gets a massive surfboard for some reason. Yeah, like when they when they come out with one of those movies based on a day of the year, you know, like Valentine's Day. Yeah, or yeah. When the next one comes out, like Easter Sunday or something, is that going to be going up against Avengers: Infinity War Part Two? It's just going to be a bit of an odd. Yeah. I mean, they're both like count as popular movies, but it'll be a bit weird to have them in the same category. It's a bit like Golden Globes splitting like musical or comedy. It's like it's not a serious film; it's a musical or a comedy. So yeah, like, exactly. But then a lot of people not... watch them, so let's give them an award. You know? <laughs> yeah, but at least that, at least that hints towards a genre. It is a bit like that, but at least... the Martian got nominated into it. Like, yeah, which made like that makes no sense. Category. Yeah, like, they've kind of the Golden Globes kind of already have that, right? Their yeah, popular film categories, musical or comedy. Yeah, exactly. But it, that that suggests at least how you might judge what goes in it, even though you'll be, you know, they just put stupid things in it that don't count as either of those things. But you've got some kind of sense of how to judge whether it belongs there. Whereas, like with popular film, it's just a bit weird. I mean, you know, what else came out the year Frozen came out? Would it have had to have gone up against like some action blockbuster and people trying to decide which is the better film? Yeah. Just what be is the weird. best but least popular film? That's what I'm interested in. Uh, they should have a most unpopular category. Yeah. Un- uh, outstanding achievement in unpopular entertainment. Yeah, like 0.5% of people who watch it enjoy it but they love it <laughs> everyone else detests it like like darren aronofsky's mother or something yeah exactly exactly hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. That should have won best on popular film. <laughs> I tell you what will be a popular the last, film. The last Jedi, Danny. The last <laughs> Jedi. I tell you what will be a popular film. In my eyes, anything Pablo Lorraine makes. Love that guy. You're a big Pablo. Pablo man. Pablo man. Yep. <laughs> a Pablo. Life, life of Pablo. That's yours. Your life is like... I was very disappointed. Revolves I, around loving him. Yeah. When I bought that album, I thought it was, like, was going to be mainly about Pablo Lorraine movies, but it was just about like... Is it named after Pablo Picasso and, or something? I don't know. He's a genius or whatever. He compares himself to all the geniuses. He's really into geniuses and the genius diff- history's different geniuses. We have previously discussed uh, that Pablo's next project was going to be a movie called The True American, starring Tom Hardy, um, uh, about a guy who'd like uh, gone to he was like a terrorist or something, and then the day after nine eleven, just shot a South Asian American shopkeeper. Yeah, he, was a, he looked a bit like the guy who was just a bit brown or something. Yeah. Um, and then, like, goes to prison and then, like, forms a relationship with the guy that he shot. Something yeah. like that. Anyway, that project um, 
has been pushed back. It's been pushed into 2019. And instead, Pablo Lorraine has begun production on a film called Emma. E-M-A. Emma. Emma. Emma, um, I don't know. I don't know. However, that, however that's pronounced. Um, by the way, in case you don't know who this guy is, he's uh, previously directed uh, Neruda and Jackie, the film by Jackie Kennedy with Natalie Portman, and uh, No, which starred Gal Garcia Bernal, who is joining him for this new film, Emma, which is going to be in a new genre for Pablo Lorraine, a dance film. Um, Bernal will play the choreographer for a local dance company and an actress called Di Girolamo, uh, who will be making her feature debut. Well, she's probably a dancer, you know, perhaps. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be playing his wife, who is a school teacher. Um, the couple deals with the aftermath of an adoption that goes awry as their household falls apart. Hate it when adoptions go awry. Oh, worst case scenario. Worst when it comes case, to awful. Um, Lorraine said, this is according to Indie, why I'm quoting here, Lorraine said the story would find several characters expressing themselves through contemporary dance, including reggaeton. But the movie was not a musical. Um, so when they get frustrated or emotional, they just express themselves through dance. Like that bit in Footloose where Kevin Bacon does the angry dance. Yeah, or in um, Flight of the Concords, which is a parody of Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> which the same thing happens. Um, but it reminds me a bit of what uh, Edgar Wright said about... Um, uh scott pilgrim where he was like in musicals people express their emotions through song and in this film they you know just breaks into fights rather than breaking into song yeah i mean that metaphor quite holds with scott pilgrim no it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it's not like they have like a love fight or like a you know a, a comedy fight or whatever they're all just fights right <laughs> they just have... fights over like you what? know yeah. individuals trying to yeah like, over a lady over a lady yeah exactly over a lady well perhaps that um kind of like imagery will be more appropriate to to this movie um lorraine said he was relieved to return to his home country for a new project i personally feel that i'm lucky to make movies in different languages places and circumstances and it's going to shoot soon right shooting right now yeah before it goes according to plan he was going to complete them both uh next year so it's going to be a bit like 2016 when jackie and naruda also both opened at the same time he's just a very prolific guy he's very hard working does a lot of stuff um and so it was exciting. I mean, he's a very talented filmmaker, and uh, it's always cool when people test themselves and try out new things. Yeah. I mean, if it was something like Tom Hooper is making this movie, I'd be like, fuck this film. But it's Pablo Lorraine. I'm like, sure, crazy contemporary dance movie. I guess we don't like have that much to go on, really. I mean, if Pablo Lorraine had been making a, um, a old Hollywood-style musical starring uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, I would have been super excited for it. Yeah. Um, that movie turned out to be shit. But imagine <laughs> if Pablo Lorraine had directed it, maybe it would have been great. Yeah. I don't know. Has there been a serious dance film? Like, there's the Step Up movies. Do you know what I mean? Like, outside, like, 50s Hollywood. Well, the thing that it vaguely makes me think of is something like Romance and Cigarettes, that John Turturro film. It's not a dance film, but it's a kind of quasi-musical that's not quite a musical. Yeah. Where there's, like, a lot of characters who sing. There is dancing in it as well, but they're kind of, like, singing over kind of old classic songs, um, which are just still playing underneath. So it's more like a kind of sing-along type yeah. film, and it's a kind of small-town... Uh, drama, like with blue collar characters kind of going about their daily lives and stuff. And Gael Garcia Bernal is brilliant. I love him and everything. Have you ever seen him dance? Has he danced before in a film? He just strikes me as someone who could do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's because he's like, he's. It's because he has that. He's the Latin the blood. Latin. <laughs> <laughs> it is in him. You can do anything. He's a sexy man who could probably dance and sing, I imagine. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> probably. You think he couldn't? What, you think he couldn't? Just yeah. look at the man. Look at the man, he's beautiful. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ask we poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. 
So, Sicilian Ghost Story. This is written and directed by Fabio Grassadonia and Antonio Piazzara. And it's partly based on a book by Marco Mancasoloa. They are very Sicilian-sounding uh, men. And this is a very Sicilian movie. And it is based <laughs> on the true story of the abduction of Giuseppe De Matteo, who was 12 when he was kidnapped by the mafia in 1993 to keep his father from informing on them. He was uh, helping the police mount a case against the mafia, so they kidnapped his kid. And that's what happens when you tangle the mafia. The very unscrupulous people. And the story... The approach to the story is it's focused on a fictitious character called Luna who's in love with Giuseppe and at the start of the film she gives him this love letter and they decide to go out. It's very kind of sweet, kind of meet cute. Not meet cute, they've already met, but... It's cute. It's cute. And uh, when Giuseppe is kidnapped, all the adults sort of don't really address it and there's a sort of code of silence in the town, a murder kind of thing. And she rebels against this. And though she can't, like doesn't have the means to find him because he's disappeared somewhere into the Sicilian countryside by the mafia her her sort of subconscious goes looking for him and they have this strange kind of spiritual connection and it cuts back and forth between the two of them and it's a sort of realist fantasy ghost story coming of age love story thing and uh yeah that's one of the best things about it is that it's hard to categorize and it has this very interesting approach to the story and you could probably make a more straight adaptation of what happened to Giuseppe De Matteo and it would be kind of thrilling but the, the device of this lunar character gives us real emotional depth and makes it very affecting and you don't really know where the movie's going for large parts of it it's successfully weird and purposeful you feel like the directors know what they're doing but it's just not clear in which direction the film's going to go and although it occasionally drags in the middle it really lands the ending and it's very um, it's very cinematic in the way that it wouldn't work in any other medium. You can maybe do it in a book, but there's kind of weird parallel storylines and quasi-spiritual connection, which is kind of visually tied together, kind of only works as a movie. Mm. And like the visuals are really, really strong. The direction is uh, very good. It's got this fairy tale approach to everything, which really works. It worked much better than, I would say, something like The Shape of Water, where I feel sometimes it can be a bit of a crutch, where it's like, this movie's a bit simple because it's a fairy tale, and everything takes on a broad metaphor kind of thing, and like excuses some sort of clumsy characterization. But this, the characterization is really good, but just the visuals... I mean, occasionally it pushes a bit too far. She has like a red duffel coat, and I'm like, oh, she's red writing, whatever. Like, it oh, doesn't quite... the girl from Schindler's List. Yeah, exactly. That's a bit of a clumsy visual note but generally it's really strong and the cinematography by Luca Bigazzi most Italian sounding name ever who is the frequent collaborator of uh, <laughs> every, every name this, they're all Italian people you're like oh my so god Italian. this guy's so Italian uh, but he is Paolo Sorrentino's regular DOP and he what's kind of interesting about the film is that it's sort of half real scenes half fantasy but there's not it's not delineated visually and it's not clear which one's which and he's got this kind of visual style which kind of treads the line between both of them. And it reminded me, here's an obscure uh, reference, but it reminded me of the film The Reflecting Skin by Philip Ridley, who's better known as a playwright, which is also a coming-of-age story. And I saw this film with like a Q&A, The Reflecting Skin, and he talked about how the tone he was going for was like, it wasn't the events as they were happening, but the main character sort of looking back on his childhood where what happened is mixed with what he wanted to happen and his kind of fuzzy memories of it and also what he later found out what happened kind of mixed into it. And this is kind of what this film has. It's 
it's not clear what well how do i put it this was the kind of success of the movie it's clear what is and isn't true but at the same time it's got this kind of grayness and ambiguity mm. which is very affecting and it just makes it kind of engrossing the performances are really great uh, Gaetano Fernandez as Giuseppe is really brilliant. He gives a very kind of nuanced, tragic performance. And the lead, Julia, oh, here we go, uh, Jedlikowska, I think she's Polish originally, is brilliant in it. And I will never tire of the plucky kid uh, rebelling against the system. It's That's just too great, endearing. Absolutely. And she's a very, I don't know, she's got a great scowl, very sort of defiant presence. And she has lots to do in the movie because it kind of, it takes place over quite a long period of time and you kind of see a whole rainbow of emotions what an actress uh yeah so it's a little overlong and there's definitely at points where it's more atmosphere than story but i think it's definitely worth watching but you have to definitely kind of give yourself over to it like it's a, it's a bit of a slow burn but it's worth the journey cool. i give it a thumbs up sounds excellent i saw this 11 months ago wow and, stayed, and yet it stayed with me so that's... I mean, if it was shit, I wouldn't be able to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so the real testament is the fact that I managed to speak there. We should like do this with all of a couple all of the minutes, movies we, we review. Yeah. Give it the best part of a year. And if you can still talk about it, then it's worth it. I think that's true. I think the Oscars would be very different, right? If you just wait for the boss to die. It would be quite cool if they did the Oscars offset by one year. Yeah. So if every year it was, you know, if like this February was like the best movies of 2016. Like, yeah. That would have been rem- kind of cool. Anyone remember Birdman? Nah, 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 mate. Everyone remembers Boyhood. Do they? Sh- Should have won. I think it's. Do you think people uh, still talk about Boyhood? Yeah, I think it's lodged in the memory longer. Cinema guys. Hmm. Yeah, no, maybe, maybe. Mad Max has got longer life than Spotlight. That's true. Mad Max probably should have won Best Picture. That's a popular film. Too popular. Looks like Sam's got a film to review. He's just getting ready now. Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are gonna help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use killer words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. Okay, start reviewing now. Sam, did you see an unusual or strange film that required a lot of thought and patience? No. I saw a very mainstream <laughs> film uh, which required almost no thought and very little patience. <laughs> uh, this is The Meg. Um as previously discussed, come up a number of times on the podcast. You know, <laughs> it's like it's like in the in such monster films themselves where you have to uh foreshadow the presence of the beast with just a few hints before you really get to it. And that's why yeah. we've done this podcast with this review of the Meg. Just a like few bleeps on the radar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a shadow a... passing over <laughs> from the coral. And yeah. now here we are with your review. Precisely. So this movie is, uh, as previously mentioned, adapted from a book by uh, Steve Alton, directed by John Turtle Taub, uh, who you may not be familiar with, but uh, he's made a number of movies, including both National Treasure films. He directed Cool Runnings. Um, Sorcerer's Apprentice. He made The Sorcerer's Apprentice with Nicolas Cage. Uh, he's got all sorts of stuff on his CV there. Um, and uh, it's, well, it's just like Jaws, isn't it? So I could be, you know, yeah, there's a giant shark. So it's set on a um, kind of research facility station. And at the beginning of the movie, there's a bunch of people who are going on a very deep dive, like uh, 11,000 meters under the sea or something Fuck. like that. Very far under the sea. 
um, into an area which is like separated from the rest of the sea by some kind of thermal barrier where the, the, the you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, whatever. And so because it's this like separated off area, it's like an ecosystem unto itself. And there's all sorts of new species in there, including a giant shark previously thought extinct. Oh, no. Um, and there's a disaster and they have to uh, rescue the people who'd gone under the dive. But there's only one guy who can do it. Who, who is it? Well, you know, that actually it's hard for him to get him because he's actually retired from diving. Oh, no. And he's like gone somewhere else and he's just kind of hangs out in a bar and drinks and stuff. Um, but they try to get him back for like one more mission. Yeah. Um, and that man is uh, Jason Statham. He plays Jonas Taylor. Um, and uh, yeah, they sort of get him back and he's just got to dive and uh, save people and fight the shark. Um, also stars Rain Wilson is a kind of... Um, like who's funding it he's a kind of jerk off tech billionaire type oh, dude God. Um, and a number of other people who are not terribly famous I obviously went in with uh say moderate expectations there's a ceiling on how great such a film can be but i would say that within that universe it was a success i thoroughly enjoyed it and one of the first things i was thinking coming out of it was there's no excuse for these new jurassic park films to suck as much as they do um and i was i basically enjoyed it from start to finish it's completely formulaic it's just like every other film of this type but it's very competently made very charming cast higher than average level of bants i would say between the various people um and uh some nice like i think the action scenes are quite well executed and like there's a few nice like witty touches and moments and stuff and it just basically delivers um in my opinion one thing that i particularly enjoyed about it um is that i think like the sort of interpersonal relationships are very sort of warm and friendly and even the characters who are seemingly set up as like the douchebags turn out to like be not that bad yeah <laughs> like no one is like that mean um and it was quite refreshing really to uh see it because it, it just gives the whole film a relatively like good-natured feel to it you know it just feels like it has faith in people and like people sort of treat each other well it's got a pleasingly diverse cast um and uh jason statham's love interest who's played by lee bing bing um is uh treated relatively well by the script you know she gets like a bunch of stuff to do um and she's sort of age appropriate for jason and i know this sounds like very sort of faint praise in a way but with such films where they're they're not really attempting to be that ambitious they're just like popcorn entertainment it's just nice to see the various basic you know boxes being ticked like yeah. there's all these these are basically all the things that jurassic world like didn't do you know yeah like not just being like overtly like unpleasant and you know mean-spirited and having all the characters be dicks and stuff like it's not like that <laughs> um it's it milks the state for a good amount of uh, charm you know he's i think maybe increasingly as he gets older he's he's doing performances that are more and more like his one in spy uh, he's developing a sort of Jim Carrey-esque rubber face where he's like uh, gurning a lot, but I love it. I'm fully in favor of it. I don't think he can really act. You know, he's been in so many films and he hasn't, still hasn't quite learned how, but he definitely can do the kind of uh, frowny action hero look. Um, and he gives off the general vibe of being a you know lovely man who you'd want to hang out with. So he's, that's basically what you need, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't need to be a master actor. It's just not really like what his thing is. Doesn't need to star in Revolver or whatever. Talking about the mysteries of the universe. Yeah, was John Wayne a good actor? You know, was exactly Arnie a good actor? He's got a bit presence about him. His acting is like going to the gym and getting really fucking buff for these movies. That's yeah. a lot of effort, you know. 
Yeah. Like some people go to acting school, he goes to the gym. And yeah, it, like Daniel Day Lewis, like, you know, learn how to sew for two years to be in Phantom Fred. Yeah, but how he much goes, time has he fucking had to spend lifting weights to look exactly. like that? Exactly. Yeah. He's the ultimate method actor. Yeah, he has that body. That's, that's a me- method. That's method acting. Yeah. Uh, there's an adorable child in the film, I find. Brilliant. That, you know, and kids can go either way. Again, I don't want to get hung up on how much I didn't like Jurassic World, but the kids in that first movie irritated. Sucked. They, didn't, sucked. they didn't die either. And they didn't die, which they should, which they deserve to because of how annoying they were. Uh, whereas uh, this has got a, very, a young girl who has a genuinely adorable relationship with Jason Statham. They bounce off each other very well. She's got like a real good line delivery. It's not like the most naturalistic performance, but it's just like a real acting performance. I feel like a lot of kids' performances that are good is just like, seems like you know, the child was just like that or whatever. They're so natural that it's amazing that, you know, they've they've done that kind of thing. Whereas this is more like she's been to acting school, but she's like nailing her lines, you know. Um, and there's a couple of good like kid moments. I often find that the children are, are not written to behave at all like children do. They're like unnaturally precocious or they're just completely silent or something. Whereas this kid is convincingly childlike while still being very adorable like that about the film. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it just kind of, you know, it does what it says on the tin, basically. He fights the big shark. And I was like, this is, you know. This is the best one I've seen in my life. This is the best one I've fucking seen. This film's fucking all five stars. I was just crying, laughing. I was just hugging everyone, walking out. It's a miracle I've calmed down enough to be able to review it. <laughs> Great. Right. But I don't think he says chomp on this. <laughs> the tagline is chomp on this, but he didn't say that. He said something else. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe four and a half <laughs> hey there Delilah what's it like in New York City I'm a thousand miles away but girl tonight you look so pretty yes you do Times Square can shine as bright as you I swear it's true Hey there Delilah Don't you worry Remember that song the Hey there Delilah It was terrible But it was a huge hit It's the song where he goes Oh what you do to me That's the chorus in 2007 or wherever it was but everyone was stupid and like shit music idiots idiots but it was a massive hit and you probably thought yourself there's a lot of narrative depth to that song and you will be delighted to know they're turning the song into a TV show. Insane. This is going to be brought to us. To, this is going to be brought to screens by Lively McCabe Entertainment and the band's frontman and songwriter of Hey There Delilah, Tom Higginson, will serve as a producer on the show. He and writer Jeremy Denson will pitch the show to networks. Uh, the co-president of Lively McCabe Entertainment, Michael Barra, told The Hollywood Reporter, Hey There Delilah is a perfect example of an iconic story song that has introduced characters and a premise to a massive multi-generational audience and is begging to be expanded into a full-length story for contemporary television audiences. It's a classic Ugh. example of a song which is also a pitch for a TV show. So what is it about? Well, shall I give you yeah. some of the, yes, the lyrics here? So the basic song is about um, a long-distance relationship. Right. He's singing to a girl called Delilah who lives in New York, and he's presumably in England, and he's just playing his guitar. Um, he's English, Tom Higginson. Is he not? Maybe he's not. Maybe he's American, but he's not in New York anyway. Okay. He is. Um, hey there, Delilah. What's it like in New York City? I'm a thousand miles away, but girl, tonight you look so pretty. They must be Skyping. Yeah. 
um, or FaceTiming. Uh, yes, you do. Times Square can't shine as bright as you. I swear it's true. Hey there, Delilah. Don't you worry about the distance. I'm right there if you get lonely. They can Skype at any time. Sure. Give this song another listen. Close your eyes. Listen to my voice. It's my disguise. It's a bit of a strange... I mean, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm by your side. Hey there, Delilah. I know times are getting hard, but just believe me, girl. Someday I'll pay the bills with this guitar. We'll have it good. We'll have the life we knew we would. My word is good. Hey there, Delilah. I've got so much left to say. If every simple song I wrote to you would take your breath away, I'd write it all. Even more in love with me, you'd fall. We'd have it all. Um, there's a couple more verses here. So he's a struggling songwriter. He's she's, a struggling songwriter. She's in she's, New York for she's some She's just reason. somewhere else. Like, I guess she's had to go there for a job because otherwise, if they didn't have the bills to pay, they'd be able to live together. Yeah. So it's just about... Oh, no, a... she's, gone, she's gone to study. You'd be good and don't you miss me two more years and you'll be done with school and I'll be making history like I do. So she's off in New York to study and he's like stayed behind to work on his guitar playing. Can you have done his guitar playing in New York? Um... That's a good question. It's and it's hard to say. I guess the rent's pretty high there. Rent's high, okay. So maybe he's had to stay somewhere. You know, he's living with his parents or something. A thousand miles away. Does this seem like the kind of setup that is unique to the song? Would you say? <laughs> <laughs> there was that movie, Like Crazy, that was about a yeah, long distance exactly. relationship uh, with Felicity Jones and Is this Anton just like w- what's happened now? The whole intellectual property thing of like films and TVs, where you just can't pitch. Just like it's a show about a long distance relationship, it's like uh, it's like it's based on this um the song the song Hey There Delilah, <laughs> it's like green lights like yeah uh, it does and it's actually very much like that, isn't it yeah it just is like they they had a script and then they kind of googled some of the words <laughs> in the script and then found a song that was attached to it. What do they drink? Could it be Pepsi? <laughs> green lights? Could it be Batman? Yeah, it could be. Batman. <laughs> is, it, is it Alfred Pennyworth? The guy who's a long distance relationship. Um, it, which are you more excited for, this or the Alfred's TV series? Alfred TV sh- show. To yeah, I'm you. looking more. I'm definitely looking more forward to Alfred. Will the song feature in the show, like every episode? Um, maybe it'll be the theme song. Yeah. I mean, it'd be a bit of a missed trick, wouldn't it, if it's not the theme song? Or maybe what the th- what the theme song is like? Woke up no. this morning by the Alabama Three. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's a strongly songwriter. It ends with him writing the song, and it becomes a huge hit. And then, and then they can be together. Yeah. After five seasons. <coughs> I was going to say, if that's the end of the first season, how does the show carry on? Nah, five seasons. That's a five-season arc. No he, one he, pitches one season. He that's must be ridiculous. writing a lot of like bad songs in the meantime. Maybe he's just writing one. songs, but just the genre he's writing them in hasn't. It's like grime, you know, hasn't gone mainstream yet. What? Like he takes them a while to settle on um, kind of indie pop. Yeah. You know, acoustic guitar music or whatever. Yeah, he's doing some really experimental stuff for the first four seasons. <laughs> it's really good, but it's just like doesn't quite have the listenership that can sustain a career. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really good though. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but it's really good. It's really it's really good. He's missing like everyone remember that guy did the Maybe does a lot of Delilah song and they're like, Have you heard it to early stuff? It's like light years ahead of everything around him. Yeah. It's like those later MGMT albums where they refuse to make anything with the with the chorus anymore. Yeah, but like in reverse. What if he starts off and he's just doing uh, kind of comedy rap songs? It's like the Lonely Island and yeah. no one is fucking buying it. That actually it can't be a fight of the concourse, that isn't it? Yeah. Um but it would, be, but it, but it, but the twist is that he pivots into deeply serious romantic uh, songs, and then makes millions. Do you reckon Delilah will be in it from the start? Like he'll meet Delilah at the end of like season three or something. <laughs> <laughs> be bold of them to call a TV show "Hey There, Delilah." 
Well, it's like might as well call it where's, your mother, where's, right? Where's the, Delilah? The mother doesn't appear to like the last few episodes of the last season. Yeah. And that was a huge hit. So <laughs> don't see why you're doubting my Delilah introduced in the end of season three plan. What, like, so there's a kind of framing device where Delilah's in it, or he's talking, there's a voiceover where it's like, hey there, Delilah, but you just, where's Delilah? Yeah. And he keeps meeting girls who are called things like Je- so w- Gemma or Delia or something. <laughs> vaguely similar sounding names. Jemima and stuff. <laughs> hey, and he keeps on writing this song and it's like, it doesn't quite hit. <laughs> doesn't it's quite like something's... Ru- <laughs> hey there, Delia. He's like, oh, put it in the drawer. And then, <laughs> and then he meets Delilah and he's like, what? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm very excited for it. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm I mean, very excited to be it. fair, right, if they had just announced like hey, it's a new TV series. It's about a long-distance relationship. Like, we wouldn't be talking about it right now, would we? It's true. But because it's got this complete stupid angle on it, we are talking about it. So it's fucking worked. Yeah. We're just suckers. We're mocking the very thing. That is proving that it's it did it. Ugh. Been played. Played think, by I, the man. Have we become the thing we most despise? Oh, I've become Shiva, destroyer of worlds. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, join us next week. We'll be reviewing some more films. I don't know what's out. But I'm going to be reviewing it. But I'm going to be reviewing I'm going to be reviewing those films. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be doing that. Yeah. See you then. Bye. 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 Let's do it. It's serious. We found a guy's leg near a beach where he was playing frisbee with his dog. Oh, my God. There it is! Chuck! Chuck! Put the gun down! Faster, it's headed straight for that boat. What are you talking about? Another megalodon showed up and killed them. Another one? You said you were going to take care of it. Look, that is what you're dealing with. Just in case that shark goes up. You can be an official use. Of a new generation of communication technology. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.